0: All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we are discussing whether or not Jalen Ramsey's take that Matt Ryan is overrated is on the money or off the mark. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, I'm Aaron Freeman. Founder of falcons.com one of the longest-running Falcons websites on the internet, on Twitter at FalcFans, and of course, the host of this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast. Today, we're talking about whether or not Matt Ryan is overrated. Jalen Ramsey, Jacksonville Jaguars cornerback, made quite a bit of headlines in an interview with GQ that dropped today on Wednesday. Uh, where he set flames to a large number of NFL starting quarterbacks, including Matt Ryan to summarize what he said about Ryan was that he's overrated because after winning the MVP in 2016 and 2017, he was quote a complete bust uh, despite having Julio Jones on his team. And the only conclusion must be that Shanahan was the real brains behind the operation in making Matt Ryan quote unquote look really, really good. Um, I'll be up front. I very much enjoyed this article. I did not get upset to the same degree as other people did about what Ramsey had to say about Matt Ryan or any number of quarterbacks. I found uh, it very refreshing that you had someone um, sitting there and um, basically roasting NFL quarterbacks and being pretty brazen about it. I you know, That, to me, that's, that's classic primetime. That's classic Richard Sherman, who... I don't think usually did that with quarterbacks, but often did it with wide receivers. Um, you know, certainly, I don't think anything Jalen Ramsey said was really that wrong. There was one specific point that he made that I don't think was accurate, but other than that, I think he's in the ballpark. And I know that's certainly interesting coming from someone who, um, you know, that's shocking coming from a guy that has basically spent the last eleven months calling out Steve Sarkeesian. And, you know, before anybody gets too upset with me uh, for defending Jalen Ramsey on his Matt Ryan take, I do think Matt Ryan is a very good quarterback. He's number five on sort of my own personal quarterback rankings. But to me, there's not a whole lot of difference between who's five and who's like 12. And basically, you can take those seven or eight guys, including Matt Ryan, in in that range and sort of throw them in a hat and sort of pick them out uh, in a random order. And you'd probably have a ranking that still works for me at least, because I think really, particularly for those guys and for a lot of evaluations of quarterbacks uh, and really any position really, a lot of it sort of boils down to what your preference is and that's one of the reasons why I have such issues with what I think are overreactions that people have with rankings because I think people have a tendency to want to fight about those things rather than having a civil discussion about why someone ranked things a certain way. And basically I think I wish you would have people basically be like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I want to learn why, what you value or don't value, at least in this case, say, in, in terms of a quarterback, rather than what it is often is, well, you didn't have this guy that I think should be at this spot, at this spot, and so therefore I'm going to fight you about it. Um, but yeah, that being said, I will say some positive things about Matt Ryan towards the end of the show, so certainly be patient. But in the meantime, I may not necessarily be as sort of glowing- Matt Ryan at the outset of things but let's jump right in Um, I'm mostly over the Matt Ryan is he overrated is he underrated to me he's just rated Um, and have mostly been over it since 2016 I think up through 2015 and and going into the 2016 season I was definitely willing to fight people and argue people and debate people on what Matt Ryan is or or isn't I think when you look back at Matt Ryan's career, at least in terms of how certain narratives have gone, I think from 2008 until 2012, by and large, the bulk of this discussion was wondering just how good, uh, how high was Matt Ryan's ceiling going to be because he was still, at that time, a young, developing, and ascending quarterback. And I feel like, you know, you'd often get into these debates, and typically they would come after Matt Ryan would have a poor performance, and you would have people basically declaring that maybe Matt Ryan isn't going to be any better than he has been to date, and it would always be sort of a referendum on Matt Ryan. And you know, this was certainly a, a constant topic of conversation. I thought back in 2010 and 2011, especially prior to that 2012 season. And I can personally remember fighting people uh, in, in arguing with people uh, that a lot of the flack that Ryan took in those years is because he simply didn't measure up to some other top quarterbacks in the league that were, you know, the Tom Brady's and the the Manning's of the world and the breezes of the world that have been in the league for several more years. And Matt Ryan had been at that point. And it wasn't necessarily fair to really judge Matt Ryan, you know, after three years in the league to Peyton Manning, who's been in the league for 13 years. Um, I was certainly very pro Ryan in those years, for those of you too young to remember or are just simply revisionist historians. Matt Ryan was not a very popular pick when the Falcons took him in 2008. I think the bulk of the fan base really wanted Glenn Dorsey at the time, thinking that he was going to be the next Warren Sapp. I certainly wanted Glenn Dorsey. Back in those days when I was a little bit more naive and didn't understand how the draft or the NFL worked, I thought it was possible for the Falcons to pull the trigger at Dorsey at number three and then use like the three second-round picks and maybe a future first-round pick to sort of trade back up into the top ten to get Matt Ryan somewhere in like around pick eight or something, because I think the Ravens were sort of picking around that point and, and looking for a quarterback uh before they actually traded down and got Flacco, if I if I remember correctly. Um But when they ultimately selected Matt Ryan, I was very, very happy. But I would probably estimate that 80% of the fan base was not happy with that pick at all. And probably another 10 to 15% of the fan base was certainly very cautious of the pick and sort of skeptical to a certain extent, but didn't necessarily have a strong opinion one way or the other. Um, So, you know, basically leaving 5 to 10% of the fan base at the time being, like, actually positive about the pick. Um, I think a lot of the skepticism and criticism of Ryan in those early years, in those first four or five years, stemmed from people sort of who weren't originally sold on Ryan and basically any sort of speed bump that he might have hit in, the, in that period of time, basically sort of confirming that sort of skepticism. I think starting around 2013 and up through 2015, the conversation by and large morphed into whether or not the Falcons should get rid of Matt Ryan because he's maxed out his potential and largely thanks to a massive contract, the debates and argument I was often getting into at the time were in favor of getting rid of Matt Ryan because of his contract, Um, and that would be overly beneficial to the team because you could get a much cheaper alternative that could maybe give you like 70 to 80% of Matt Ryan could give you, or possibly more, and then use the tens of millions in savings to build up the rest of your roster and build a more Super Bowl-capable team. And I think that sort of argument still sort of lingers now into 2017, and certainly I think immediately following the news that Matt Ryan got a new contract. I think sort of that was one of the topics of discussion. But I think, you know, as many of you may recall, like there was a back then, there was a a strong push or at least a a, a vocal but maybe minority group of people that sort of wanted the Falcons to tank going into that 2016 season so that the, they could be in a position to draft Deshaun Watson. And that, I think, stemmed a lot from that. You know, I certainly at the time sort of made fun of those people by basically creating the hashtag Posen for Rosen 2018 uh, at the time, thinking that, oh, you know, Matt Ryan's on the back nine of his career in Atlanta, and maybe the Falcons could wind up getting this very young, you know, Matt Ryan clone in, in Josh Rosen. You know, that was two years ago. But anyway, I digress. I think at that time my argument was sort of, wow, I think you could certainly make a strong case based off of those three particular seasons, certainly from 2013 to 2015, that Ryan had peaked, uh, the likelihood that finding any young quarterback um, and and that guy being substantially better than what Matt Ryan would give you over the next five years um, was very low. And basically based off of the fact that, you know, in the 10 years prior up to that point, uh, ten ten or so years prior to that, there really had only been two or three quarterbacks that had given you more than what Matt Ryan had given the Falcons in his first five years in the league. Uh, with you know Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, and, and arguably Cam Newton, um, doing you know out producing Matt Ryan again, depending on what metrics you're looking at. I'm, I'm mainly focused on approximate value and, and the fact that Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl, uh, as well as well Wilson and and Newton went to a Super Bowl. Um, And so my arguments against that sort of morphed into a much more pragmatic shift, which is um, the chances of you drafting someone that is an upgrade to Matt Ryan is probably less than 10%, um, given the number of first-round quarterbacks that have been taken over that decade and the number of them that were actually better than Matt Ryan. And the chances that you got stuck with somebody who was going to be a substantial downgrade from Matt Ryan was probably somewhere between 60 and 80 uh, percent, again, depending on what your criteria for what is a substantial downgrade. And so to me, it was a very obvious sort of pragmatic sense of risk versus reward, where the the risk was there's a 60, at least a 60 percent chance that you get much worse at quarterback versus the reward of a 10 percent chance that you get better at quarterback. And, you know, after seven plus years of of basically trying to convince people that Uh, matt ryan is actually good and not terrible i got tired of it and at that point for me it was like if you're still basically convinced that matt ryan isn't very good there's really nothing at this point that i can say to you because i've gone through this simple like he's good you just got to watch him and then he's like Okay, he may not be as good as you think he is, but like you still have to be a little bre- bre- pragmatic about it. And you know, if if that still wasn't sticking with folks, and it was just kind of like, I'm done with this whole thing. You know, I think part of the reason why I tend to not sort of blow up over these Jalen Ramsey interview, or really that it seems to happen two or three times a year, where some person, some public figure, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, whether it's an analyst, whether it's a blogger. Someone's going to say something that slanders Matt Ryan. It, it seems to happen two or three times every calendar year. And it causes, you know, Falcons, Twitter and, and elsewhere to sort of fire up and, and go after. It. But for me, I guess part of the reason why it no longer affects me, I no longer pay too much attention to it, is I, I've been in it for so long. Um, you know, I've basically been debating people. About Matt Ryan since the fall of 2007, back when I first became a fan of his, watching him during his senior year at Boston College and, and arguing with people whether he's a better quarterback prospect than Brian Brom and Andre Woodson. Um, and so now I'm just kind of over it. And I'm just like, you know, maybe other people are still relatively new to this, or this is a strong opinion that they're going to have for the rest of their life. And they have the energy still after, you know, whether it's five years, 10 years, or, or 20 years, to still be arguing this with people. Um, and I guess, you know, for those people, they haven't necessarily reached their breaking point, they they still get triggered about it. Um, frankly, I don't really care that much <laughs> when it comes to sort of talking about Matt Ryan. I think, you know, you, we saw this two years ago in January of 2017, where people were really uh, very fired up about Matt Ryan being the, the deserving MVP winner, particularly during that week off between the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, um, where it was just all, you know, Falcons Twitter was consumed with Matt Ryan versus Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady for the MVP award or, or whatever it was, and sort of like 15 articles, it seemed like, sort of devoted to why Matt Ryan is better than these guys, and parsing through stats and whatnot, and it was just like, Really? I mean, like for me at least at the time and, and still to this day to a lesser extent, I didn't care whether or not Matt Ryan won the MVP. I cared very much whether the Falcons and Matt Ryan won a Super Bowl. Um, but whether he got an individual award for his performance that season was pretty irrelevant to me. I think the MVP award in spe- specifically um, only really means one thing for at least my perspective, which is that it only really affected Matt Ryan's legacy in terms of increasing his chances of being a Hall of Famer. But, you know, my take on that is that I don't really care about Matt Ryan's Hall of Fame status at this point. I think at least, you know, I certainly did not in January of 2017 and still really don't in 2018. Um, It's something that I will care about, say, when he becomes eligible, which will presumably be time between 2028 in 2033 um but you know it's funny because it's like the thing that would have helped matt ryan's hall of fame and career legacy the most would have been winning a super bowl but um you know people get focused on on certain things and i can't begrudge you know if if you want to spend your time debating people about matt ryan being the mvp and i want to spend my time debating people about why this third string whatever is deserving of a roster spot or not deserving of a roster spot. So, you know, to each their own, I guess, I will say. But we'll come back in a moment and talk a little bit more specifically about maybe some of Jalen Ramsey's criticisms towards Matt Ryan and really dig down on whether or not he's overrated in a second. But first I want to plug Locked On NFL podcast with host Matt Williamson After you finish this Locked on Falcons podcast, check out today's episode of Locked on NFL as Matt is joined by ESPN's Mike Sando and will be every Thursday this year. If you missed yesterday's show with Pro Football Focus's Mike Renner, don't worry, you can catch Mike and Matt on Locked on NFL every Wednesday this season. That's Locked on NFL Podcast with host Matt Williamson, your team every day. So is Matt Ryan overrated? Well, I think in the sense that he is a good quarterback that had one really great season things largely due to play calling rather than him being great himself, I guess, yeah, in that sense, if that's how you're going to frame it, and maybe you can argue whether or not Jalen Ramsey was trying to frame it that way, yeah, I guess he is a little bit overrated in that sense. Do I think the one thing that Jalen Ramsey said that I don't agree with is that, you know, Matt Ryan was bad in 2017. He was a complete bust in 2017. No, he wasn't. Um, but he certainly wasn't anywhere close to as good as he was in 2016, but he certainly wasn't bad. I think, you know, for the vast majority of, of Matt Ryan's career, he has been a quarterback that based off of certain efficiency metrics, like say, uh, Anya adjusted net yards per attempt. He's been on um, most years been between 10 and 20% better than the average NFL quarterback in the league during that specific year. In 2016, he was happened to be about 45% better than the average quarterback in the league that year. And, you know, it certainly was, a, you know, a controversial stance coming off the heels of that 2016 season for many Falcon fans to say this. But I don't think it's nowadays particularly controversial to say that that extra 25 to 35% jump in his production that occurred in 2016 from his normal range was largely stimulated by the play calling and and offensive scheme design of Kyle Shanahan. Um, I think for obvious reasons, you know, coming off of that 2016 season, you know, many Falcon fans felt the need to sort of downplay Shanahan's role in in Matt Ryan's success. Um, You know, there was obviously a lot of emotion tied up into that for a, a very obvious reason that we won't necessarily have to discuss here. Um, what's interesting to me about some of other Jalen Ramsey's comments is he sort of lumped Ryan into a group of quarterbacks like Jared Goff and Jar- Jimmy Garoppolo that have benefited by great play calling. You know, one of those guys from Sean McVay and the other one from Shanahan and, you know, McVay is from this, not, I won't say the Shanahan coaching tree, but was the quarterbacks coach in Washington for a couple of years when Shanahan was a offensive coordinator. So, you know, they, they, they come from the same tree basically. Um, And, you know, I think it's a very sensitive subject for Falcon fans. I think specifically those comparisons, um, because it's just like another in a long line of uh, slights that have been made against Matt Ryan. Again, I get it. I, again, happen to be over it, but I understand why other people may get upset of it. But I think it's funny because I think the vast majority of Falcon fans would also argue that those other two guys are overrated, particularly Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think personally stems from... You know, a specific comment made late last season that basically said that, you know, to paraphrase, Matt Ryan took an entire year to get comfortable in Shanahan's offense, and it took Garoppolo like five weeks, which then implied to a lot of people that that person was saying that Garoppolo was better, smarter or whatever, you know, people interpret it, which I'm not going to sit here and say that that wasn't the imp- that wasn't the implication there with that person saying given that person's history when it comes to certain comments uh uh with the Falcons and, and sort of their legacy with Falcons Twitter. Um but I think, you know, like, this kind of a factual statement, though, right? You know, like, you know, regardless of the implication of what you think it means, it kind of is a factual statement that it took Matt Ryan an entire year and Garoppolo five weeks. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, how dare you? How dare you say that a guy that has only started seven games is better than Matt Ryan who started over 160 or something like that? So, again, I'm not arguing that Garoppolo is better than Matt Ryan. I, I, I do find it interesting, however, that, you know, Matt Ryan's, 2016 and Jimmy Garoppolo's 2017 DVOAs were identical. That's interesting to me. It doesn't mean anything. It's just interesting. Um, I also find it curious how many Falcon fans, specifically those who would say Jimmy G is overrated because he benefits from great play calling. How much overlap is between that group and those people that also a year ago said that Matt Ryan didn't benefit too much from, from that either. So, those, that's an interesting conversation, at least from my perspective. Um, we'll talk a little bit again about sort of Jalen Ramsey specifically and, and whether or not he's equipped to discuss these quarterbacks. Um, but I do want to plug the Draft Network, the new draft website, where you can get 2019 draft content 24-7, 365 from contributors such as Locked On NFL Draft podcast hosts John Ledger and Trevor Sykema, as well as the newest member of the Locked On Podcast Network, the Draft Dudes Podcast hosts Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. Again, that's thedraftnetwork.com, your team every day. I think one of the funnier th- takes I saw was really how many people where like Jalen Ramsey doesn't know what he's talking about because he says Matt Ryan is overrated, but he defended this quarterback or said this quarterback is good. Uh, one specific example that was frequently used was Blake Bortles, his teammate. Um, and I, I think, you know, that people was like, well, that clearly shows that he doesn't know what he's talking about. He has his opinions on quarterbacks are bad or it negates it or it completely undermines anything he's saying. Which I thought was a weird interpretation. Um at least a fascinating interpretation of sort of reading this interview because it almost like people present like it it goes in with the assumption that people thought Jalen Ramsey was somehow this great authority on quarterbacks and like somehow he, well, he's clearly not objective or whatever. He doesn't know um, because he has an opinion that's different than what you think, which is a pretty weird reaction to me. You know, I, I imagine you probably got similar reactions across Rams or Ravens or giants Twitter or any of the other various fan bases that had their quarterbacks slided in the process of interview. Um, but you know, it seemed to be a very ad hominem approach that really stood out to me the most because it it clearly showed that people were upset by this whole thing. And you know, it may be the troll in me, but I I find that interesting and fascinating and, and kind of hilarious. Um, you know, the other interesting conclusion I think a lot of people had that they leveled against Jalen Ramsey was that he didn't watch any film of Matt Ryan last year. And I think the answer to that is like, yeah, no, duh. Of course he didn't. And, you know, I'm trying to not to sound too full of myself, which, you know, is very hard for me to not do. Um, i trying to think of what point was it for me that I realized that football players didn't watch that much film of other football players particularly guys that aren't on their schedule, aren't one of the 13 opponents that they play each year. And it was probably around the same time that I realized that the NFL top 100 is a joke, um, which I would say is probably around 2012 or 2013. Um, I certainly can't speak with any authority here because I am not a current or former NFL football player, but there is an overwhelming abundance of evidence that says the vast majority of those guys only really watch the 13 teams that they face each year uh, as part of their preparation for those upcoming games. And the likelihood is that they only really watch the positions that matter to them. So in the ex- case of a defensive lineman like Grady Jarrett, he's probably just watching the quarterback, the running back, and the offensive lineman. For a corner like Desmond Trufant, he's watching the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and maybe you know getting some of the tight ends and running backs sprinkled in, at least in far as as far as their involvement in on passing downs is. What's also kind of funny about it is I think, you know, people, everybody that sort of accused Jalen Ramsey of not watching any film of the Falcons in 2017 also didn't watch any film of the Falcons in 2017. Um, at least if, in terms of speaking of the All-22 specifically, just because, you know, there's like three people out there that, I, I, I don't know, that at least I interact with that I'm fairly confident that watch film on a weekly basis, but that literally is like 1% (laughs) of the people I interact with on Twitter, so I don't know. But um, that all being said, let me get to the point where I'm going to show Matt Ryan a little bit of love, because I know some of you guys have been like, how dare Aaron, how dare you, this podcast, take up Jalen Ramsey's side and not Matt Ryan. What I will say about Matt Ryan is, I do think he is, again, as I said at the top of the show, I do think he is a good quarterback, I do think he's a very smart quarterback, that his best attributes tend to be from what he is on, from the neck up. And he's one of the better, if not best, quarterbacks in the league in, in that regard. And I think to a certain extent, you can argue he kind of overachieves because overachieves because of how smart he is. I think my main issue with Matt Ryan is that throughout his career, and I think this has become less and less of an issue in recent years, but occasionally will still rear its ugly head, is that I think he has a bit too much of a conservative streak. And I think this often leads to people basically labeling him as a game manager in the sort of pejorative sense that it's often used. And I think, you know, I would say that Matt Ryan is probably the best version of that type of quarterback, but I think it makes it very easy for people to disrespect Matt Ryan, particularly outsiders and observers and even, you know, a vocal contingent of Falcon fans when you watch a large number of his games it's easy for some people to basically conclude that he is a rich man's Alex Smith. And he's not going to blow you away in the same way that Aaron Rodgers or Cam Newton or Luck or Roethlisberger or even, you know, playoff Joe Flacco will um, in terms of making these big-time throws and plays that are going to make your jaw drop. That's not Matt Ryan. That's never really been him, and nor is it probably ever going to be. Now, the other way that you can say that or phrase that is that instead of calling him a rich man's Alex Smith, you can maybe call him a poor man's Peyton Manning. Um, and I think that's probably a more preferable way of phrasing it because, you know, Manning is obviously, you know, one of the greats in the conversation for being the greatest quarterback of all time. While Alex Smith is a mid-level starter that has almost no historic value. He's basically just a guy. He's a footnote in, in sort of NFL quarterback legacies. Um, Ryan certainly has a historic legacy. Um, I think we'll find out over time whether that involves Canton. And again, 10 to 15 years from now, I think we'll find that out. I certainly think it could. I think for those of you that are curious and sort of my thoughts on Matt Ryan as a potential Hall of Famer, based off of my own criteria on what should be a Hall of Fame quarterback, I don't think Matt Ryan is currently right now, but I think, Over the next five to seven years, he has an opportunity and could very easily change that opinion, um, which again is one of the reasons why I'm I'm much more willing to wait before having those conversations. But I also would say from the criteria of, um, you know, my criteria of what should be a Hall of Fame quarterback would exclude a significant number of current Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And thus, I do think, assuming that he is able to maintain a relatively similar level of play that he currently has been at for the next five to seven years um, that I expect him to, you know, continue to play. I think he'll be able to pass several of those guys that I think are sort of the quote unquote bottom rung of the hall of fame quarterbacks. Um, I think one of the things that I've enjoyed really watching improve around Matt Ryan's game over recent years has been how much more capable he is operating off structure. Um, I think a huge issue during Matt Ryan's first several years in the NFL um, was how much he struggled off structure. And for those of you that don't know what I mean by that, that's basically meaning that when a play breaks down, when the pocket gets muddy, when you have to go um not from your you know go from your first to your second read or to your second to third read, you know, and that that guy isn't quite there. Um, what do you do? and I think one of the legitimate knocks on Ryan over the years has been that because he doesn 't have a particular big arm um, and because he doesn't have great mobility to extend plays, um, that that you know that ability to live and thrive off structure, which is a hallmark of some of the other great quarterbacks around the league and, and even some of the mid, middling quarterbacks around the league um, was was lacking. And I think, you know, basically for Matt Ryan early on in his career for the first five to seven years, if things didn't go according to plan, he would kind of quickly revert to being closer to average, which again, I think is one of the reasons why he's been criticized. And I think, you know, you saw that play out over a a number of years, you know, in the first five to seven years of his career when he had erratic blocking, when he didn't have talented receivers, although I would somewhat blame that latter issue on some of the offensive systems that the Falcons runner ran under malarkey and Cutter, um which had a tendency to run sort of vanilla route combinations that meant that you needed guys you needed receivers that were capable of beating man coverage and regular listeners of this podcast know that one of my more frequent criticisms of Sark over the last year has been that I think he operates a very similar offense to that, which is in contrast to an offense that Shanahan ran, which you know if it isn't clear to you. Um, based off of the success he's had in San Francisco, doesn't necessarily need a big-time receiver uh, or a, any number of big-time receivers to be successful. And I also think that's a big reason why Tom Brady has been successful over the course of his career, because the Patriots' offense, by and large, doesn't rely on those things. And that's why Brady, despite not having too many great receivers over the course of his you know 20-year career, almost 20-year career, um, has been able to play at a very, very high level. But one of the things I noticed last year, uh, and certainly much more so than how it was in those malarkey slash cutter years, was Ryan's ability to extend plays. And I think a lot of their offense was was being able to be su- sustained, not because of the design of the play, but because of the individual play of people like Ryan and his ability to create and whether that was stepping up in the pocket or extending plays and, and, and giving his receivers time to break open off of those vanilla route combinations, um, I think you know a lot of the success of the Falcons last year involved their ability to, of the, the, evolved the ability of the receivers to create after the catch and generate a large percentage of the team's explosive plays, largely due to the, the, that ability after the catch which i think was particularly prevalent in the second half of the season when the offense uh got a little bit better. Um and i know, you know, one take that i saw out there earlier this offseason was that Ryan was better in 2017 than he was in 2016. I certainly think because of those reasons i just mentioned, you can certainly claim that Matt Ryan had to shoulder a bigger burden and a bigger weight of the offense um in 2017 than he did the previous year. Um, because less of the offense was sort of working, coming out of the huddle like it seemingly often was the case. And again, not to suggest that it was every snap in 2016, but certainly was, you know, you can certainly cherry pick a number of plays over the course of that season um, where it really was sort of schemed up for it to fall into place. Um, and I think that whole issue of, basically um having to shoulder the burden of the offense is ultimately one of the reasons why Matt Ryan has been has had his issues in the postseason um in in earlier in his career and it was a big reason why Peyton Manning also wasn't able to achieve a great deal of success in the postseason throughout his career, um, which is you know, basically that it's very hard for a quarterback to carry a team in January when the level of competition is so much more higher than it is September through December. And I think history sort of tells us that you really need somebody else to step up, whether that's a a running back that could be a dominant force, whether that's a wide receiver like Larry Fitzgerald with the Cardinals in 08 or Julio Jones to a certain extent in 2012 with the Falcons, or most commonly a really great defense. Um and you saw that with the Manning brothers, both of those guys, Eli and Peyton, that in the you know, pretty much every year that they won a Super Bowl, they were backed by a really talented and really outstanding defense. Um and without going too much too deep into this because we're gonna wrap this thing up in a second, but it's part of the reason why I'm a little bit skeptical, or not a little bit, uh, I'm a bit more skeptical than uh of Sark than most people or some people are and his ability to get the Falcons back to the mountaintop. I think it's also one of the reasons why I'm not quite as sold on the 2018 Falcons defense, living up to the hype, because I, I feel like most of those teams, if, if basically if we assume that the offense is that offense and, and you need Matt Ryan to carry you, you're going to really need a defense that's going to be much better than what I think you know this defense so far has shown it's capable of being. And I, you know, I guess part of, you know, my questions with the defense is that it's going to involve a massive improvement rather than a slight improvement for them to get there. Now, again, part of the issue is for people like myself. And I think a big reason why people in the way that people judge Matt Ryan is that the Falcons, you know, under Dan Quinn are somewhat a victim of their own success. And it's less about sort of, are you good enough to make the playoffs? Are you good enough to get to the second round of the playoffs? Um, which has, you know, was primarily a goal like seven years ago when it came to the Falcons. And that's not really the case anymore. And it's really about, can you win a Super Bowl? And unfortunately, because the Falcons probably blew, you know, certainly mathematically, what was probably the best opportunity that they'll, or really any team is ever going to get to win a Super Bowl. It now becomes, we all become a little bit more consumed with getting back there, Um, which is what raises the stakes. And I think causes people like myself, um, or at least the way I'll explain why people like myself tend to be a little bit more skeptical, and also I think why people might be a little bit more skeptical of Matt Ryan. But that being said, I know many of you may have differing opinions on this subject, and uh, I'm sure there will be some fan talks in the future where we might discuss this very subject. If you're interested in, in being on a fan talk, or providing your feedback on this specific topic or any other topic, you can shoot me an email at com. If it's in regard to a fan talk, let me know in the email. Give me your contact information and and what your potential availability is. That is something that we probably won't get done this week, but I'm hoping to set up some fan talks early next week um, where we might, you know, do a full week of fan talks in the lead up to that third preseason game just because, my hope is that there's not a whole lot of Falcon news that deserves deep, in-depth discussion. But who knows? Uh, maybe um, Odell Beckham will do an interview with uh, Men's Health or something like that and, and call out, I don't know, Robert Alford or something. I don't know. And, and we'll have some fun there. So we'll see what, how that goes, guys. But until then. You are Locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast.